found him. He said no. So the draft stands at naught for two. Maybe a man who broods in a cave for a living isn't cut out to be a recruiter. Hmm? This will be weird. I mean, we haven't tried something that's new. Kick us off! Hey everybody, welcome to the Real DMC Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marks, and Colin. Although today it is only the Real DC Podcast because it's just Dave and Colin. And I guess it's appropriate that it's the DC Podcast because today we decided to take a crack at providing some quick thoughts on Zack Snyder's, the infamous Snyder Cut, which was just released to HBO Max. So somehow over the past two weeks, Colin and I both found four hours to watch the entire movie. Colin, I'm super curious, right off the bat, I'm surprised that you of all people would have found the time to go see this movie or prioritize watching this movie. So why did you? I'm curious. Oh, you mean because my life is so busy? Well, no, I just don't, I don't associate you with somebody who would be running towards the superhero genre. So that's, I'm no. just curious. Uh, yeah, I was a little curious myself, but I think it's because, you know, I'd read a little bit about it. I didn't honestly know that much about it. I blame you because you had brought it up and you were sort of excited to see it. And I just sort of thought, hey, here's an interesting, an interesting concept where the director of a movie, you know, had to leave the the movie, the production, like mid-production. It got finished by another director, It which I saw. I did see the theatrical version. Yeah. I did not particularly like it and then to know that there is like this um you know online movement to have the original cut the original director's vision put together and then released and it actually and they actually did it and they spent like 70 million dollars to do it that fascinated me so i wanted to watch it what i didn't realize was when i sat down to start it it said four hours and two minutes (laughs) and i had no idea Oh, really? That's so, funny. No, no, no. Yeah, I really did not. I was like, am I actually going to watch this? I mean, it did take me probably about eight hours over the course of the day to actually finish it. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I did. Yeah, maybe just a high-level overview, at least as I understand it, because I'm, I'm not an expert here. So there are lots of people out there who have a more emotional connection to it. But so Zack Snyder was the director of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. He was heading to make Justice League as the next movie. Some people think of that as his... DC trilogy. His daughter actually died, and and the film at the end of this film is dedicated to her. So that was a, that was a bit of an emotional moment in some respects. They brought in Joss Whedon, who's the director of the Avengers, to finish the film. And Zack Snyder was he said he he said he's never actually watched the theatrical version of the Justice League because he didn't want to. <laughs> he kind of disowned it, and then he made reference to the fact that he had cut a version of the film. So this idea of the Snyder Cut started circulating and there was a hashtag that came up online, you know, release the Snyder Cut or hashtag Snyder Cut. Petitions were signed and fans were lobbying Warner Brothers pretty aggressively to see the Zack Snyder version of this film. And then, yeah, so HBO Max comes along and they decide to give him $70 million to reshoot a whole bunch of additional footage and go back and recut and revamp the movie. And then it was released. So I was very interested to watch this movie. It's not because I was necessarily running towards the source material itself. I'm just super fascinated by the whole concept. To go back and do this level of reorchestration to a movie that was not well-received at all, that, that's one of the things that I think was really fascinating. Because I, when I first saw Justice League, I was thinking, mm, yeah, this is mostly just pretty crappy with a few little minor you know, fun scenes. And even, and even the quips, I thought the quips were funny. But that's the main difference between the two versions. Is So if you're familiar with the Avengers and kind of the MCU vibe where there's lots of quips, definitely a lot of that in the theatrical, the original theatrical release. And the Snyder Cut is not that at all. It's far more serious. Maybe almost to a point of its detriment, but I get that he was trying to keep it tonally in a certain place. Didn't Joss Whedon also direct uh, the Avengers? Yeah, I just said that. Oh, you did? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, apparently. I was going to say... Hey, Colin, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I can just cut this part out. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but honestly, I, I thought you were just talking about the fact that the MCU has those types of quips. I, I, re- I remembered that <laughs> Joss Whedon directed that movie. Maybe I remembered it because you just said it. But <laughs> Possibly, yeah. It's possibly. <laughs> very, very different in terms of what they're going for as directors. Very, very, very different, right? 
you you hear a lot of sort of the after the fact director seeing the the finished version and claiming that there was studio interference or that there was somehow a producer or whatever influenced the vision and took it into a, a different direction and so they you know they disowned the film when you actually look at the end result of the Snyder cut and you compare it to the, the theatrical version of Justice League it's pretty different in tone. So, so I could see if he was, if he had his vision of what the tone was. I, I find it hard to believe that he never actually watched Justice League. I, I think that that's more of a. I think he's saying that because at some point, yeah, you would have to be curious enough to watch it. I would think. But anyways, let's just assume. I, who, who cares if he did or didn't? But I'm gonna say that he did because he watched it and he got so pissed off that he decided I'm gonna make my version. Yeah. the way I wanted it to be. And somehow he talked HBO or Warner Brothers, whoever it was, to give him $70 million and let him do a four-hour movie. I mean, that's the thing. What I what I realized, I don't really remember you know the Justice League theatrical version that much. But what I came away with after watching the Snyder Cut was that this is a completely different movie to me. Right. And I actually enjoyed it and it like made sense. And that was my biggest takeaway. I think I was expecting there to be a you know sort of like the director's cut i mean this is not like a regular director's cut he basically made a whole new movie yeah, this is a reimagining yeah exactly um yeah so how about snyder himself so what do you think of snyder as a director i actually do kind of like Zack snyder i think the first movie that i saw of his was 300 uh which i i liked a lot of because I, you know it was, it was very new is highly stylized sort of like trying to reimagine the the comic book on the screen on the film screen and i thought that was really interesting yeah um i did also think that just as a filmmaker he was sort of i felt like maybe he was cheating a bit right in in the way that he was actually just trying to recreate the panels on the screen yeah and so i don't know that i i thought he was an amazing filmmaker but i was definitely drawn to that you know i saw watchmen and i had read graphic novel graphic novel yes I had some issues with the movie itself, some of the stuff that was changed, especially the ending. But overall, like I, I liked what he had done with it, especially the opening credit sequence. I really, really liked that a lot. To me, that might be the best part of the movie. So when I think of Snyder, I think about the, the credit sequences and the intros to his films are generally really interesting. And you mentioned the, the comic panel. When you look at Watchmen, there are a lot of those shots that are a direct lift from the graphic novel. And I actually yeah. thought that was pretty cool. And I think he's actually really good with visuals. Oh, yeah. The visuals that he creates and the color. I know he does a lot of stuff with, you know, speed ramping and people are either like or disliked. Explain. What was that? Explain. Speed ramping. What is that? So the the action scenes where like the speed that goes to slow, right? So the, oh, yeah. the speed okay. ramping. Yeah. Like that's, that's, there's a, he, that's one of his, it's definitely a trademark of his, I would say. Yeah. Lots of glass and screens and stuff everywhere. He's You always see that in a lot of his movies. I, I was going to say, like, the, the slow-mo and then the folk rock music. I like that whole thing. So, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I like his visuals a lot. And I, I don't mean to say that he's not a good filmmaker when I say he, like, he sort of like reproduces what was on the comic panel. I think it's really interesting to see that. But, but then I also sort of think that does that, does the, the actual story and the way the story comes across is that does that suffer at the hands of the the style so is it more like style over substance i don't know well that's uh was it sucker punch he made that movie sucker punch which i actually didn't even finish like i i I turned it off like at one one point you know went to bed i was like "Ah, i'll watch the rest of it never did and that was a movie that where everything was just style it looked really cool um i didn't think the the story really carried it so that that was a little bit uh, a little bit much for me i agree i did finish it but I, i i did not like it yeah. Um, however, I will actively defend Watchmen. Like, I actually think Watchmen is, a, is kind of a triumph of a film. And it's particularly because when you read the graphic novel, if you're familiar with the, the source material, it is super dense. I almost thought that movie, or I thought of it as a property that was simply probably unfilmable. Now, I know people have issues with that movie, and there's really two things that, that it, when, you know, when you read about it that come up again and again. So the first one is a lot of people think that Snyder took the wrong direction there in terms of showing that the, you know, because he basically kind of created real superheroes on the screen. And the whole point was, you know, what if these people were just putting on costumes and pretending to be costume vigilantes? Right. right. So there are scenes where like, you know, Night Owl or where the Silk Spectre, they're just mowing down people in the hallway in the prison, like things like that. So people people are like, oh, you actually made a superhero movie, so you didn't get the point. And then there's, there's of course, the big squid ending, which, spoiler alert, there, you know, in the graphic novel, there's a giant 
you know, genetically created squid that Ozymandias has, has unleashed on the world. In the movie version, they go with Dr. Manhattan and, and make him, she basically frames him as being responsible for the attack at the end. So that was a big change and people lost their mind that the squid wasn't there. You know, I fine. I mean, yes, it would have been cool to see the squid, but I kind of get a sense within that movie that, yeah, it made sense as a choice. So I actually think that, I mean, I really like that movie and I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed by that movie. But then when you go to his other DC films, I think Man of Steel is just okay. That's kind of how I would think of it. I mean, I think I really like Henry Cavill as Superman quite a bit. Do you have, do you have a crush on him? No, not, not, not quite a man crush, actually. I just, <laughs> I just appreciate him. Okay. But Man of Steel, I think, is a movie where it goes way overboard with the destruction at the end, where it's like you have the whole world-changing thing, and then he has the fight with Zod, and so it's just too much at the end. So, so that movie's okay, but it's not great. And then he made Batman v Superman, which I also know that there's a, or there is an extended version of that film that has 35 additional minutes. I only have seen the theatrical version, and I think that movie's terrible. I think that movie is just a complete mess. I, I don't like that movie at all. Eisenberg is the Lex Luthor was a terrible choice. I, there's just a bunch of stupid things in that movie. Like at one point, somebody references peach tea and there's a glass of urine that shows up on, on Holly Hunter's desk. Like all of a sudden there's a, you know, there's a glass of urine during the, some hearing on Superman or whatever. It's just like, eh, it was terrible. I, it's, it, sorry, it's just, it's all coming back to me now. I, I did yeah. see that movie and i did not particularly like it especially the, the 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 fight between superman and batman i was sort of expecting and hoping for the the frank miller dark knight dark Returns. Knight. yeah that's not what we got so to me it didn't make a lot of sense i also don't happen to like ben affleck as batman so oh really i actually i kind of do so that'll be a fun point of this conversation then i saw justice league the theatrical release was kind of done with the whole snyder version of the dc universe you know i think at that point it was kind of yeah just put this to bed and start over let me ask you this how about just in your your superhero movie your bona fides are you a fan or not do you look forward to these movies or do you just kind of take them as they come i wish i was younger so that i would have a lot more excitement over these movies because they don't really have a lot of excitement over them yeah Uh, certainly as i get older uh, i didn't read comic books growing up especially with the extended universe for both dc and marvel yeah i really don't know a lot of these a lot of these characters i have to ask you questions like is this guy good i mean i've always liked spider-man but that's about it you do know he's in a different universe though right yeah yeah and i mean from just from a superhero standpoint and then of course grew up with the uh christopher reeve superman right which so i love that movie and superman 2 was like really cool but that's about it source material and all of that, especially around the Snyder cut and any sort of uh, controversy or... Like, is it true to the character kind of thing? You know, like, I don't really know. Like, yeah. I, I have no dog in this fight. I was curious and I watched it. I was very um, pleasantly surprised because yeah. I thought it was very well done. And it now made a whole lot more sense than the theatrical version. And I was invested in, in a lot of the characters. I mean, maybe yeah. you have to make a four-hour movie to do that, but you know, maybe they should be doing this a lot more often. I'm definitely more excited about superhero films than you are. The MCU definitely. universe for me is one of the like that's one of my all-time favorite film series ever. But for me, it's not just about the source material; it's about the fact that my kids were at the right age when they were growing up. You know, we used to go to the Thursday night premieres all the time, and they were super excited. And so it was just a so I can't really separate the fact that you know my kids got to grow up in the MCU and. I got to take that ride with him, and it was just a ton of fun. In terms of the DC films or the DC Universe films or even the characters, I've always liked Batman, but I think it mostly stops there in the DC world. You know, Superman to me was always kind of a, you know, this dude that just punches stuff, so not not a lot of depth there. But for the movies that they released, I think Nolan's take on Batman, so particularly The Dark Knight and Batman Begins, I really, really like those movies. I think The Dark Knight is, is an amazing movie overall. I think the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman that came out, the Patty Jenkins, the first one, is really, really good. And in, in particular, the scene where Wonder Woman's ca- crossing no man's land and you know the first reveal of her and all that, I think it's just a, it's a great moment. And then I also thought that Aquaman was really fun because it was bright and colorful and moved along. And, and I think Jason Momoa is actually, he's, I think he's really good as the character, uh, surprisingly so. Those have been the good movies. Otherwise, almost every other DC attempt has just been terrible, including, by the way, I thought Wonder Woman 1984 was was hot garbage. I thought that was a horrible movie. I'm, I'm definitely not beholden to the source material or, you know, it's not like I'm an, an expert or I was I was dying to see this movie because I thought Justice League was pretty bad. So I was I was super curious. I had no I didn't think that even if you wrapped four hours around this thing, you could make it watchable or something entertaining. And I will admit that I was wrong. So 
you know, hats off to you, Zack Snyder. I actually had a, I had a good time watching this movie. I think for what it is, I think it's really well done. I think it still has many problems and we can talk about a few of those things, but overall I was actually, I was pretty impressed. I'm glad because I, I think I saw it first and I would yeah. think I was telling you that, hey, this is actually a good movie. <laughs> and I yeah. was, I was happy that you agreed. So because we, you know, we did have differences about Wonder Woman 1984, but... Wait, did you you like that movie? I, I didn't think it was horrible. I mean, everyone just classifies it as being just terrible, but certainly I thought it was pretty good, fine. I think the worst DC films would be like Suicide Squad. I really did not like that at all. Yeah. Um, then Batman versus Superman and then Justice League. Not being like a super fan, I actually do watch these movies, right? So I do seek them out when, they, when they're available. Right. And I loved Wonder Woman. I, I thought that was just a fantastic movie. Yeah. And I actually do like Man of Steel. Yeah, it goes over the top a little bit, but I like probably the, the, the first half a lot more than the second half. And then Aquaman, I agree. I totally, I was actually very pleasantly surprised. I love Jason Momoa in, in that character. I He does not strike me as an Arthur, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really, can't really mess with that, right? Yeah. But yeah, it was actually, it was a good movie. I really thought they did all the underwater stuff really, really well. Black Manta, I thought, was a compelling villain in that movie too, which is, and that's one thing that I think this movie does suffer from is I, Steppenwolf is, he's much better in this version than in the Justice League version, but he's still just a big, strong dude with an ax for the most part. I mean, there's not there's not a lot of depth to him. I mean, I get that he's going for his own personal redemption. I think the villain is still a problem overall in this movie. I, I, I think that really worked out a lot of issues there. And I was also happy to see that it wasn't, he's like, he, yeah, he's the main villain, but he's not even, he's just a, like a flunky actually, you know. Right. They actually introduced Darkseid in this movie, right? We've been mostly kind of spoiler-free up until this point, so let's just say we are now going to talk about specific scenes and spoil things as we go. So if you have not seen the Snyder Cut yet, I'm kind of curious why you're listening to this podcast, but putting that aside for a minute, uh, (laughs) we are going to go and reveal things. Also, I I really do love the Nolan Batman stuff, so I think that's the best of all of this. It's far beyond anything else I think that's come along in the DC universe. Before we get to a couple of the specific scenes, how about just your reaction to what changed specifically in relation to the original theatrical release have you how, when's the last time you saw that has it been a really long time do you remember the changes no i i don't i mean i the the only way i know is because i read about some of them i i didn't even really remember the the theatrical version because it didn't make that much of an impression on me i just thought it was very mediocre it was just like a team-up movie i kept thinking well, where's superman where's superman yeah yeah so it was not very good then as i started watching the snyder cut it was started to come back to me and I was realizing as we we're hitting different like story points and, and character introductions, now this makes sense. Now I'm getting this. It's cut differently. There's new scenes. There's garbage that was removed. Yeah, I, but I don't really, I, I can't really go into that. I'll let you do that because I don't really know like all of the different things that were different. I haven't watched the theatrical version in a really long time, <laughs> purposefully. So to me, the, the differences or some of the differences are really focused on just the overall tone, right? Th- this one opens with a slow-mo version where you see Superman dying and he's screaming and you see the ripple effect of his scream kind of, you know, going across the earth and people are, you know, are hearing it and seeing it. And it's, I actually think that's a pretty cool opening. I, you know, I was, uh, I was impressed with it. I was thinking, okay, well, it definitely is a, a much different tone. The, to me, the biggest difference in the movie when you go through the whole thing is just the, it's the absence of all the quips, right? So, so there were several scenes, you know, Whedon had directed, and I think he obviously wrote, where he had the characters interacting with each other. And what was it? There was a scene where Aquaman was sitting on Wonder Woman's lasso. He's like, man, I'm, I'm kind of scared. And he looks at, you know, Wonder Woman's like, you're smoking hot. And then he looks at Batman and he says, and you're just a dude in a suit. You have no powers. Like that, that kind of thing. And at the time, I thought it was funny. But it's interesting when all, that, all those quips get removed from this. And what was really interesting to me was there are scenes where they're exactly the same from the theatrical release, but they just change the dialogue. So, you know, a couple examples, where, you know, one is where... You know, Aquaman is falling from, he's falling in the sky and Cyborg comes and grabs him. And in the theatrical version, I think it was even in the trailer, Cyborg says, you know, ride's not over yet. And Aquaman's like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you know, Aquaman in the <laughs> Justice League theatrical version was a, yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that energy. And that was the movie that introduced him, right? He, he had, they didn't have the Aquaman movie yet. Right. Yeah, no Aquaman movie yet. yet. So, th- so they basically pulled back on a lot of that. And I think 
that that was probably a good choice there. The whole end sequence in terms of the attack and all that is very compressed in the theatrical version. So there are lots of differences that you see when you're going through this. And I'm not going to sit there and catalog them all because I'm sure multiple websites have done that. It's overall, it's really looking at what was the original versus what is now and, and the fact that it's just a, it's an entirely different tone and entirely different scope. I think for me, what I can sort of remember is that there was a lot more focus given to Flash and Cyborg. Yeah. And that those two characters, you really didn't know that much about them at all. Just like very superficial in the theatrical version and they gave them more to do in this i'm not sure that flash got that much more but certainly i i felt like after watching the snyder cut cyborg was a much more well-defined character who i now understood and i actually i went from not liking that character at all to actually really liking that character in the snyder cut well yeah maybe let's just maybe hit on each of the characters in terms of what we you know liked didn't like so we're on Cyborg, so say more about why you, you know, kind of what you liked about it or, and then if something you, th- you thought didn't work. Mostly it's just all the backstory. I was able to more emotionally connect with the character and understand his motivations. And it, I mean, he got a lot more screen time and it wasn't action sequences. Right. Right. You know, he's, he plays an important role, I think, overall in the in the plot. The movie now makes a lot more sense when when you get to connect to that character and understand him. I don't know that The Flash actually does that, but I like the sequence um, introduce, sort of introducing him, the little vignette that they do uh, when he's going on a job interview and saves the girl in the car, the, I guess his sort of love interest. I was gonna say for The Flash, uh, one of the, my first note is car accident opening is fun. Yeah. Because it really is. You can get away with a lot in terms of the character moving super fast and how cool it looks. So in the, was it, it, this is actually the 20th Century Fox Marvel Universe, but the Quicksilver scenes that they have in X-Men are really cool, right? There's, you know, so it's one guy who's zipping around a room while, you know, people have fired bullets and the bullets are moving so slow. He's just adjusting them and moving things around and having a good time. That I think worked really well. I think that there's still something that's a little bit not quite right with the Flash's costume. Maybe it's too bulky looking around the face. I'm not sure, but there's, hmm. I, I, his costume is still a little bit, it's well, 70% there for me. It's built out of the space shuttle. So what do you expect? Right. It's, yeah, it's going to be a little bulky. <laughs> but. And I, I like that they were trying to, it seemed like they were trying to test a you know, almost like a, a buddy relationship with Aquaman a little bit. So they, they had some back and forth over the course of the movie. And so I thought them trying to at least develop some level of characterization or, or <laughs> I think those are the I think those are the two actors who have the most ability to carry off the comedic lines. I don't really see the others like Batman and Superman and doing that. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's just not happening. <laughs> Well, you know what's funny about that too, because that is like all of the characters in Justice League, the theatrical version, were, would sit there and they would they would have quips. Superman, when he's he's flying back down and he says, "This guy's still bothering you," before he punches Steppenwolf, like in the theatrical version. The fact that they they made it kind of less cheesy, at least on the dialogue side. I'm not sure they I'm not sure Snyder made it less cheesy on the some of the visuals and some of like the more operatic moments of the movie, because some of that's pretty heavy handed. But I think it works overall, though. Yeah, I, I think it does. Yeah. Uh, okay, so anything else you want to say about Flash? What's your opinion? Yeah, I like Ezra Miller in the role. I do. I think he's actually better in this movie when he doesn't have his helmet on. I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's the helmet that throws me. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, I mean, so I don't really know that much about, who is it, Barry Allen? Is Yeah. I don't really know that much about the character. So I don't know, does this version of Flash sort of track to the original character? Is he Is he supposed to be young? I know he's supposed to work in like the crime lab and you see that you know at the end but i don't really know much else about him i have no real flash expertise other than i think that there have been multiple versions of the flash and he accesses his powers through pulling in some dimensional energy called the speed force i believe and i think his dad might have actually been the flash at one point at least in the comics i don't know why his dad is in jail in this movie Um, i do think it's kind of funny because his dad is dr manhattan from Watchmen, who's in prison yeah right right (laughs) i was thinking I was thinking like, oh, he likes to reuse some of his actors. Um, yeah. Well, I wonder, because there is a, a Flash movie that's going to come out, right? Th- that'll get um, worked into it. Yeah. The one thing they did change is that his powers were greatly, what's the word I'm looking for, enhanced, I guess, or um, I was going to use the word accelerated. 
He's the Flash. At the end of this movie, he actually saves the day by... He does the same thing that Superman does. In the <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I know, right? It's, it's like, really? You're going back to that? It's like Jeez. you're rewinding the world, making it go the opposite direction <laughs> so time goes backwards, which you know is, of course, the stupid, ridiculous ending of the original Superman. But in this, he does the same thing, right? Um, he's running, and then he does some vocalization about, you know, like, I can make your own reality or... The dialogue part of that is was pretty cheesy. The visuals were really cool. I mean, once once you can rewind time, though, then you have the ultimate power at that point, right? You know, there were two moments where he would run really fast and he would create energy, and then he would use that energy for the purpose of, you know, at one point resurrecting Superman and at the end to allow Cyborg to access the uh, the mother boxes. That was cool. The, the visuals of him running really fast and just the, the lightning and all that cracking around him and the effect of the seeing him when he's moving fast, all that I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I agree, and um, I'm glad that they did give him those two things to be able to do to show off his power, because at one point, I'm thinking, so you can run fast, but how does that help? Because right. when, when they were like evacuating the hostages from like, Star Labs, and I'm just thinking, like, what's he going to do? He's not, <laughs> he's sort of like, eh. Dyborg was sort of like, that was his job to get everyone out. Oh, what Flash, what are you going to do? Right. Run up and down? Like really fast doesn't really help us. Oh well. Actually, I mean, I mean, honestly, he saves Earth, right? That's the easiest way to think about it. Yeah. If not for Flash, then we're all fucked, and Dark Side is here, and we're all destroyed. So thanks, Flash. How about uh, Wonder Woman? What do you think of Wonder Woman in this movie? Oh, I love Wonder Woman. <laughs> That's all I can well. say. <laughs> I mean, how can you not? She's wonderful. <laughs> She's a Wonder Woman. Hard hitting yeah. podcast commentary over there. What do you think about Wonder Woman in this? Um, I actually think that they use her pretty well. So I, I like that she has the relationship with Bruce Wayne. I think the other thing that's kind of interesting is she has a flashback sequence that is pretty cool, actually, because you go back and you see what happens when Darkseid tried to come to Earth a long time ago, and they have this team up between the Amazons and the uh, Atlanteans and then men, which I thought was kind of funny because I think men are going to get their ass kicked out of the three. But Yeah. And her kind of accessing that information via her, like the Amazonian lineage and all that, I thought that was kind of cool. I like that that flashback brings the story together a lot more steppenwolf and then the parademons right why are they trying to take over now you get a lot more understanding of that wonder woman she was not actually in that flashback right but she was able to access it through her amazonian lineage that yeah the one thing that i thought was interesting and, and i'm not i'm not sure this totally works they, they mentioned the fact that Ares, right who ended up being the the antagonist for the right. wonder the first wonder woman movie you know he's there in that scene and he's fighting against dark side yeah it, it's just sort of the whole mythology aspect right because all of a sudden you have true gods that are fighting you know dark side coming down i'm not quite sure how all that works in terms of who has what power level versus somebody else because if Ares is a god i mean yeah, well, I think it was really interesting because it was going back to saying that all of those myths were real. And this is the time men worship gods and you had the Amazonians. And I guess, they're you know, this was before they were, I think she even said that before they were betrayed and enslaved. And so they're all fighting now on the same side. So I thought that was interesting. And then I thought it was really interesting to see what I, I guess was a Green Lantern, but yeah. I didn't know who it was. He must have been the uh, the former protector of sector, whatever it is. Okay. <laughs> This is all lost on me. I do know I hated that Green Lantern movie. Uh, oh, yeah, that was a bad one. It's funny because I was thinking about DC movies. That movie didn't even occur to me until you just said it. Like that's that's how far it's been purged from my memory. I forgot that they made a Green Lantern movie. That's crazy. Well, I guess it was a while ago. How about Aquaman? I mean, I love Jason Momoa as Aquaman. So I did like the changes that they made here to be to be less jokey. Yeah, he's a lot less jokey because the he even shows up, I think, in the, again, the Justice League theatrical trailer where they're on the roof with Commissioner Gordon and he's like, dressed like a bat, I can dig it, or something like that. He's a little bit more of the stoic kind of, not not quite, he's definitely not stoic, but he's kind of a controlled, like a little bit more of an intense warrior kind of figure in this. And I, I think it really works well. I'm pretty sure that they added the scene where he rescued the guy from the boat just to give him something else to do. And there was a little additional footage between Aquaman and Batman when he was trying to be recruited in the beginning and the back and forth there I thought was, yeah. was pretty good. I thought that whole scene was 
a lot better done. And that was probably the first scene where I remembered it, the theatrical version, and I just thought, oh, this, it's so much nicer to get the additional content, the additional yeah. dialogue, the ad, the addition of like the singing, the women who were singing that this very melancholy song at, at the end after he, you know, went back into the water. I really liked all that. Yeah. I don't th- I don't think it was in the theatrical version. I don't remember it, but No, it, would, it definitely was not. It, it, then he just, you know, runs and jumps into the water and swims away. Yeah. Um how about Martian Manhunter? How did you enjoy Martian Manhunter? Oh, I thought it was Martin Manhunter <laughs> based on your notes, but uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, I actually don't know Martian Manhunter. Um, I, I no, I take that back. I, I do know Martian Manhunter, but only from Smallville. Yeah, I really don't have any thoughts on on Martian Manhunter. I, I guess he's he's there for the next movie. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I was gonna say I don't know why he's even in this movie, honestly. I mean, other than to show him as a character that is available, but he doesn't do anything. Yeah. You know, so you see Lois Lane is talking to Martha Kent and she's saying, oh, you know, you need to get back in the world, Lois. Martha walks out and she transforms into Martian Manhunter, which I thought was a totally, I don't know, I thought that was, that was, I thought, a dumb moment, honestly, because Lois at some point is going to circle back with Martha and be like, what? No, you never came to my house. And so what was the, I mean, what did she really need to to do something to pull Lois Lane back into the world at some point? I mean, how would, I don't know. I, I thought that was a totally superfluous plot point that was simply there to give you a flash of Martian Manhunter earlier in the movie. Yeah. Also, what's the, what's the objective for getting Lois Lane, you know, back into the world? Why does that matter to, to Martian Manhunter? Right. Exactly. I mean, it, it really didn't make any sense. I thought that was a total, I thought that was an example of something that didn't work in terms of adding it and trying to tack it on. I thought the end sequence where Martian Manhunter shows up and talks to Batman at the end, I thought was better. I thought it was okay. Again, it was just like, hey, I'll be here for the next movie, even though it's never going to be made. So it, it seems like an odd choice, honestly. And I guess uh, I guess Snyder also wanted to have Green Lantern or a Green Lantern in this movie. but Well, he got it. Well, no, a, a second one, actually, the current Green Lantern showing up. But the studio um, said, said no to that. Is there a current Green Lantern? Like an actor who's playing the Green Lantern? Uh, no, not right now. So I think the last one to do it was Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And that, and that probably Odd killed choice. it for, for a couple of decades. <laughs> Odd choice. Yeah, yeah, bad. Ryan Reynolds is a great Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds is absolutely wrong for Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I liked how Deadpool showed up at the end uh, on the on the yacht with Lex Luthor. At least that was my that was my take. And I was like, wait, that's no, that's MCU. Like, who's this guy? <laughs> So that was a little joke back and forth between Marvel and DC because was it, I think Marvel, I can't remember who created who first, but I think Wade Wilson was uh, Deadpool and then... Oh, this uh, guy's a Wilson too, right? Uh, yeah, and then so Slade Wilson was the name of the character they created in the DC universe. Oh, oh that's and, and hilarious. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, we, I'm sure somebody can look it up, but it's... So Slade Wilson, uh, it was either Slade Wilson was first in a reaction to Wade Wilson or Wade Wilson was created in reaction to Slade Wilson. So, and, they, and they basically gave the character like very similar abilities like purposefully. So it was kind of a little, uh, a little fuck awesome. you back and forth between the comic companies. I thought it was kind of funny. Well, I think the MCU's Wade Wilson is a lot funnier than the DCU's. Slade Wilson. Yes. <laughs> Just to close out characters, so Superman. What do you think of Superman in this? I liked Superman a lot better in this because I really understood why they needed him, you know, because he was a Kryptonian. Right. And I think they said at some point, like earlier, that they hadn't been back to to try to conquer Earth because I guess they avoided worlds that had either a Green Lantern or a Kryptonian. Right. So meaning that they were powerful enough to, you know, repel any attack. I did like that when Steppenwolf was reporting back and, and he actually says, No protectors here. No lanterns. No Kryptonium. This world will fall. Like all the others. I like yeah. that. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. I was a lot more invested in like why they needed to get him back. I really understood the mother boxes a lot more and like what they could do. When they said, you know, I can change alive to dead or dead to alive. And it was like suddenly, boom, hey, are we think? Are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Right. I actually got that. You know, when they actually did resurrect Superman, I really enjoyed those scenes because he had no idea what was going on. He didn't know who anyone was. Now they're just like, holy shit. So I really enjoyed those scenes. I, I liked the scene a lot. You know, the Flash is like sort of like running around him. And then you slowly see... Superman's head like turn in that super slow-mo time and it's like you're not faster than me (laughs) 
<laughs> so that was in the theatrical release as well, where you see Superman's eye tracking the Flash as he's moving. Yeah. I, I don't think I he. Figured. I don't think he collides into Aquaman though in the theatrical version. I think that that was either an ad or a change. I'm not sure. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is I assumed that they were going to or they were going to have it consistent with Superman recognizing Batman and and going after him because in the theatrical version, you know, he picks him up and you know tells it's like tell me do. You, do you bleed, right? Which is, of course, from the comics originally, but it was repeated in the movies and then repeated in Batman v Superman. And then I, th- I assume that they would actually have referenced that here, but they choose not to do that. The The sequence where he's resurrected was interesting. I think, I think it feels like the fight between the Justice League and Superman is a little bit reduced, I guess, in terms of screen time here. I don't know. But what I really did like was the scene where, so he flies Lois to his, to his family farmhouse, and there's a moment where he's sitting there and he's looking out the window and you kind of see him kind of coming back to himself. She loved it here. So did I. So did I. I like that scene quite a bit because I think it it spaces out the return of Superman and I think it really makes it it's a better emotional beat it's just a nice moment it's like you know and then his mom shows up and and some of that was in the theatrical version but I I really like that I thought it was good and I really like Henry Cavill as Superman I think he's a he think he's a really good choice for the role so I hope he sticks with it I I do too Uh, and by the way I knew nothing about the Henry Cavill mustache in the original version oh yeah (laughs) but I did read about it the digitally Um, removed mustache yeah 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 in the theatrical version, when he comes back, does he have the, the black Superman suit? No, that's a huge change, actually. I liked that. I just remember, when was it, like in the in the 90s when, when they killed Superman and then they had like four different like versions of Superman that came yeah. back. There was the, the version who had the black suit. So I was sort of excited to see that. Yeah, I had the opposite take on that. That's something that I, I thought doesn't work or was not a good choice because there's something to be said in terms of the emotional swell and attachment of seeing the, the blue and red S and the, and the traditional outfit. It was fine that they put him in this. It's more of a black and silver outfit. So I guess he's formerly dead Superman now, and that's that's his choice of colors. But Isn't that like the actual like Kryptonian version? That I don't know. <laughs> So. It just seems like a uh, Man of Steel that the the other Kryptonians had these black and silver outfits. So that was sort of their color scheme. And then I don't know why his ends up being like red and blue. Personally, I miss the little gold belt. <laughs> yes. so, <laughs> I don't miss the gold belt, but um, I just think that there's something to be said for the. And I go back to the to the the Reeve Superman, right? The dun, 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 and, you know pulling apart the shirt. Yeah, and there's yeah. the S, and just kind of the sort of the emotional positive swell and all that. So no, I, no, I, I, I guess I t- I miss seeing the red and blue. I guess is what it comes down I, to. I, I totally I totally get it. I totally get yeah. it. Yeah. So anything else you want to say about Superman? Whose movie do you think this is? Like, I mean, I know it's a Justice League movie, but if there's one person, is it? I mean, is it like Batman? Because he's a, sort of the ringleader. I think it's Batman. It's almost Batman slash Cyborg. Yeah, yeah. I think the maybe like the emotional heart of the movie is with Cyborg. Yeah, and Batman is kind of the he puts the overall structure of the movie in place, basically. Yeah. Let's talk about Batman. I say Batman for last. Cause I thought it would be the most interesting conversation. So you don't like the Affleck Batman? Not really. No. Why? I'm curious. I don't know, maybe because Christian Bale was so good and Affleck just never seemed like when they announced it, I was like, I don't know, I can't really see him as Batman. Maybe as a as the older Batman, you know, I do like the the gray hair the, or the salt and pepper hair. You know, again, I, I, I sort of go back to and think about Frank Miller and uh, the Dark Knight Returns and I would love to see that Batman, but this, he's not, he's not it. No, but but there is a lot of Dark Knight Returns inspiration that goes into this Batman, for sure. I like the outfit, the costume, because that's more reminiscent of that. That is straight out of the Dark Knight Returns in terms yeah. of with the uh, with the oversized um, the oversized bat symbol, oversized yeah. gray bat. Yeah, yeah, I I, I do like that. Although yeah. it does tend to look a little more monochrome. It's a very subtle change in the grays, but I do like that. During the the battle with Superman, I sort of felt like, hey, where's Batman? And it's like he's not there really in the battle because right. he would just get his ass destroyed. One of my takeaways for this movie that I thought was sort of interesting is I think this movie, it makes you realize that Batman is not that powerful. 
Yeah, yeah. Snyder does some interesting work in terms of showing you the Flash's abilities and Cyborg and Aquaman, and they're all these super strong, powerful, and particularly in the middle sequence. There's a middle sequence where they're fighting below Gotham Harbor. All these characters are doing all these crazy things. You have this moment, at least I had this moment, where oh yeah that's just some guy dressed in a bat costume <laughs> like I don't, it, felt, it felt like he stood out a little bit particularly in that middle sequence batman with his vehicles is really good we just pulled back you're not gonna make it just have to knock a little louder I think Batman on his own as solo out there fighting in his costume is a little bit less effective and definitely not that effective as when you compare it to, say, The Dark Knight or something, because a lot of that was hiding in the shadows and stealth and all that sort of stuff. This is more like a brute force kind of Batman in a way, in my mind. Yeah, I do I do love the line in this, and I'm glad they kept it in when um, Flash gets into Bruce Wayne's car and he's... How many people are on this special fight team? Three. Including you. Three? Against, against what? I'll tell you on the plane. Plane? What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. Yeah, that's basically it. Like you're yeah. rich, you're very smart, and you're you know, very techni- technologically um, adept. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. I'm thinking that if I had to choose, it would be who you know who I wanted on my side to protect me: be Superman, Cyborg, Wonder Woman. Aquaman. Well, I'll just take the Flash because he'll just turn back time if it comes if to it. If I could turn to... back time. I, 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 I know, as, as soon as I said that, I'm like, I'm like, God damn, that song's going to be stuck in my head. <laughs> so I guess the other thing is I actually like uh, Bruce Wayne better than Batman in this movie in terms of when Affleck is out of costume. I like some of those scenes. The character of Bruce Wayne, yeah, is, is better than like, I think the character of Clark Kent. Oh, they're just so different, right? Affleck is up there in terms of my favorite Bruce Wayne's, honestly. Hmm. The Bale version of Bruce Wayne was always, yeah, I'm not really Bruce Wayne at all. I'm just the Batman. So I'm going to, you know, so it was a, it felt a little bit forced. You, you really wanted to see him as Batman. And, and this, it's kind of the polar opposite here, which is I prefer the Bruce Wayne moments of Batman. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm just going to hang out with Diana Prince. So you can, you can have Bruce Wayne. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's, I think I, I think I lost out on that deal. One last thing I thought was actually really cool. And I don't know if this was an Easter egg or, or super intentional, but there is a flash at the end before the final future sequence that's shown there. He's standing on a bat tank of some kind. That is the bat tank from The Dark Knight Returns. It's the exact same vehicle. So I, I thought the vehicle, like the fact that he copied the vehicle design exactly, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You're saying it's, an, it's a tank. It's the bat tank that he uses to fight Superman in okay. the, the Dark Knight I got to go back. I think it looked familiar, but I got to, yeah, I'll, I'll go check that out. In general, like what, you know, of the movie, what are some of the scenes or what are the things that jumped out at you as things that you liked? just in general. I liked all of the single character introductions slash vignettes. Some of them were, I think, pretty much the same from the theatrical version. Some of them were new or changed. Wonder Woman thwarting the terrorist bank robbery. That was really good. Yeah, that was good. The Flash and his intro. You know, that's like total Zack Snyder because he's got sort of this folk rock music set to it. I think yeah. there was another scene, Aquaman, I think after he rescues the sailor and then he goes out and he walks down the pier and he got all these waves crashing. Yeah. And I liked the musical choice there. Is That was very Zack Snyder. It was very, you know, slow, sort of folky song. I think in the original version, it was like a rock song, very up-tempo. I like what he does there. I like his musical choices when he does these little vignettes and with all the slow-mo. I like that a lot. It's fun to watch. It's kind of, it's cool to yeah. look at. I like the whole Amazon sequence quite a bit. Like, I thought the Amazons were pretty cool, that showing them as kind of battle-hardened warriors that they were. And I like the scene where the, the queen is saying, I have come to enlighten you to the great darkness. I will bathe in your fear. Daughters of Themyscira, show him your fear! We You know, they do the first attack against Steppenwolf and people sacrifice themselves to help the queen get out. But I think that was largely unchanged because I remember a lot of that from the theatrical version. They did some stuff to flesh it out a little bit. And because I remember when I saw the theatrical version, I thought, oh, this is one of the better parts of the movie, honestly. Because when I, as I was watching this movie, I thought that the beginning was probably stronger than the end. I think I, I enjoyed the first part more. There's a couple of cool scenes like taking the hammer and knocking the pylon out to uh, cause the temple yeah. to collapse and all that. I thought that was pretty cool. I liked it. I think you just like Amazons. No, I like the best thing about Wonder Woman 1984 was the opening scene 
with the Amazons and Diana as a, as a little girl in the competition. Yeah, the first five minutes of uh, Wonder Woman 1984 are really good. And then it's all downhill as fast as you can possibly go. The, the point here is more Amazons. <laughs> we want more Amazons. I do think that the changes that he made to Steppenwolf, or they play out much better in terms of the character. So you actually get a sense of what his motivation is, that he has this relationship to Darkseid, that he's trying to redeem himself. I think his armor, I mean, it's very stylistic, obviously, or stylish with you know the, all the blades and stuff coming off of it, but I, it looks kind of cool. Okay, I don't know what he looked like in the original. I, I just don't remember, but I, I heard that, that Zack Snyder changed his look to what he originally had in mind. Yeah. So I'm curious to see that. But, you know, when I saw him, when he first came on screen and you see that suit of armor that he's wearing, you know what I immediately thought of? The Shrike from Hyperion? You got it. Yeah. Yep. So did I. If somebody out there wants to read a good science fiction book and you haven't, check out Hyperion by Dan Simmons, right? Dan Simmons, yeah. Really good. But also know that there is a, a follow-up book. <laughs> so <laughs> don't don't get all freaked out when you get to the last page. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Yeah, it's actually a four-book series, but the first two are the best by far. So his motivation and all that made sense to you, but do you, th- you actually think the mythology of the mother boxes works? Because I had that as something that I, I thought was still a little bit not terribly well explained. I understood the mother boxes a lot more, and I, I think the key point there was that their power, they could use that to bring Superman back to life. The whole part about, you know, well, you've got three mother boxes and you have to bring them together to form the unity. And then once that happens, the world will be destroyed. I mean, that's just sort of, I don't know what to call it. Is, is it a, it's it's is MacGuffin-y. It like a sort of, it's a MacGuffin. Yeah. It's sort of, it's a quest, right? There's a quest to try and, or you actually just basically generate additional fight scenes. That, that's the whole reason yeah. you do it, right? The other thing I was thinking of is, you know, the, this whole thing is being explained and the new sort of introductory flashback scene to the gods and, you know, men and Atlanteans and the the gods coming together to fight this. All I could think about was the Lord of the Rings and and the battle against Sauron and how it's the same setup. It's a total same setup. There's a lot of that. And then you got the mother boxes, you know, that's basically like the the rings that they all had, right? (laughs) You, You just can't help but think about those similarities. And so for that respect, but I just said, whatever, let's go with it. Don't know why you'd want to give humans one of the mother boxes to protect because they're not very good at protecting things but well and, and, and their their decision to, to protect it was just to go out in the forest somewhere and dig a hole and drop it in there dig a hole like and drop it in i know i was like yeah. really that's the, that's the best that you came up with have you seen yeah. what the amazons are doing right <laughs> i know the humans were a little lazy on their mother box protection <laughs> here was a question i think they answered it but i'm just not sure that i completely understand it when they first came like in that flashback there is a Green Lantern there. So was it just based on that fact that they, you know, that they were defeated? And so they sort of came up with this rule like, oh, well, we can pretty much lay waste to any world, except if they have a Lantern or a Kryptonian. Things. I mean, honestly, did they actually win that battle just because they had it? Uh, a lantern with them well they also had a couple gods fighting on their side which i imagine is well i understand that they had some gods maybe those gods weren't quite all powerful so maybe it's just the fact that they had a lantern with them the lantern ring is supposed to be the most powerful weapon in the universe well so there you go steppenwolf is defeated they uh, he leaves behind these three mother boxes well I i was thinking about that so what's the situation where it's like oh shit we lost the mother boxes don't you think you're gonna go back and try to get those i would think so yeah yeah now it's like, this was, you know, thousands of years ago, right? Right. Why did they not come back? Because they didn't have, a, presumably, a, a lantern on Earth. And they didn't have a Kryptonian until, like, until the, the last 30 years. Is yeah. it because these mother boxes were just dormant? Or so, so they mentioned that Steppenwolf is there, and at one point, you know, he's on Earth, and he slams his axe into the ground and it creates this huge symbol and it's the the symbol that's associated with dark side i'm not sure exactly the omega symbol i think because i think he has omega beams that come out of his eyes they they mentioned that there's the anti-life equation that is somewhere on earth and it's something that dark side has been searching for that kind of sets up what would have been the the two sequels to this movie but the anti-life equation and exactly what it is and how you access it and where it is and what it's going to be used for, in my mind, is not explained at all. So I, I didn't think that... I, I know it's something that... It's something that Darkseid wants. So it's, so it's a way to get Darkseid to go to Earth. But I don't know that the movie does a good job of, of explaining it other than just referencing it. Do you? Do, do you understand what it is? No, no, not at all. I figured they were saving that for like the next movie. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, because they did bring dark side into this and then introduced the was it the anti-life equation and yeah. so, then I started thinking like oh this is a lot like Thanos. You know, this is these are these all-powerful villains who are, whose goal is to essentially like destroy all of all life. Right. Is that just be- again, I don't really know the the backstory and the original material but you know is this just like two different comic book universes playing off the same themes and it's just like well i'm an mcu guy so you know i don't care about dc and you know but we have the very similar stories and very similar characters yeah i think dark side might technically be the god of death i think in the dc universe or i think he he somehow plays that role you know sits on was it apocalypse i think is the name of his planet again i'm not terribly familiar with a lot of the the dc universe and, and just as a general comic thing like once you always got once you get to that com the cosmic level where it's galactus and you know the eternals and on the dc side dark side and the mother boxes like all that it, when it just gets to that level it, i i start to lose interest i mean i like characters like i, I do like batman right where, where is batman ever gonna where would he ever have room to operate against dark side <laughs> exactly just, there's no there, and so and so when you create these ultra super powerful characters the characters that are not as powerful end up suffering, right? Because you you really do start to ask yourself, what the hell are you doing there, dude? Because, you know, you're not going to last more than two seconds. So, yeah. And at that point, that's where you know, you're like, we need, we need, we need a demigod here. What didn't you think worked about the movie? Uh, well, I, I could say it's length, but again, I, I'm not that upset about the length and the time I spent. If you were to consider kind of the, the parts where you think there's some bloat, it doesn't need to be the length that it is. Although it's kind of interesting to allow it to be the length that it is. And I, I found that as a strength because I watched this, I think, over, you know, four successive nights. And I would just be like, OK, I'm just going to sit down and get through the next hour of Justice League. And it was kind of fun that way, actually. I sort of, you know, enjoyed it and not feeling I needed I needed to finish it that I'm like, OK, this is more of like a mini series so I can you know dip in and out and just get it done at my own pace. Yeah, which is why my first reaction was, uh, four hours? Are you kidding yeah. me? Now I'm like, well, you know, look, they released it on HBO Max. I can watch it in the comfort of my own home. I can go to the bathroom. I can pause and go to the bathroom. I can come back to it later if I want to. That works. And so now I'm thinking, well, what are the, the benefits are that you get just a much fuller story? Right. It's almost like a sequel, but releasing it all at once. I'm all for that, actually. I, I, I'd like to see maybe some more of that, but I, I wouldn't go to the theater to do it. Oh, no, that's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no, way no way you're going to go sit yeah. through a four-hour version of this. I remember when we went to see The Fellowship of the Ring, and I knew it was three hours, and I, I made Emily stop drinking water like two hours before the movie because she would have to be getting up every 20 minutes to go to the bathroom. You dehydrated yourself for Lord of the Rings. I made her get dehydrated so that she could oh, sit you, through it. You dehydrated your wife. <laughs> I did. I did. But uh, certainly she's never going to do that. There are a couple scenes like at the end after they defeat Steppenwolf and they're all standing on the edge of the cooling tower. And, you know, the, the, the camera kind of pans along and they're all sort of standing there, like standing in a line. And that's that is a real cheesy moment. I mean, sure. it's that... That's super cheesy, and also when they're when they're kind of rallying together to get onto Batman's ship, and they're you know you see them going up, and they're all sort of looking up, and you know I get what he was going for, right? Like that that's your Avengers in a circle moment, the teams coming together, but both of those just felt unnaturally forced to me, so I I didn't think they were the best part of the movie. Yeah, I don't think there's any anything I really point out as being bad or negative. I, I think they could have easily cut out the Martian Manhunter stuff. But that's only that's that's really minor. What did you think of the end scene? So I'm a little confused. Is this was it a dream or was it like some sort of alternate reality? Don't really know. What what are your thoughts? I can't remember if this is Batman v Superman or Justice League, the uh, theatrical cut. There is a sequence where Batman sees the future and he sees the you know the, the dark side symbol, the omega symbol is on the ground and Superman's there and Superman's a bad guy. Is this the one where they like they have him kidnapped and there's like a lot of there's like jackbooted the Superman disciples or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. And they're all in black. Superman cuts down a couple prisoners with his heat vision and then Batman's right. there. Yeah. Right. And they bring Brett Batman in and they take the hood off of him and you see it's actually Bruce Wayne because he doesn't have the cowl on and Because I thought the ending of this movie was very strange. Especially knowing that or it's very unlikely that the sequels will be made to this movie. So the Joker shows up at the end, and the Joker is part of Batman's squad. Uh, the Flash is still there. Mira is there from the Atlanteans. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, I think that's Deadshot, right? <laughs> Got me. I don't know. The guy who's on the Lex Luthor's boat at the end, right? Same guy who is oh, in oh, the fighting oh, with Batman oh, at the oh, end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, so yeah. Deadshot is uh, is like Deadpool. They reference in that scene that the Joker, I think what they're referencing is there's a very famous moment in comics history where <laughs> they actually, the DC Comics put up a, a, it was a paid line poll where you could either call in to have the Joker kill Robin, or you could call in to have the Joker save Robin. And everybody said, let's have the Joker kill Robin. And then it's a pretty famous moment in comics history because he, he takes a crowbar and he just kind of savagely just beats this guy to death, um, or oh. the Robin to death, Jason Todd. That, I think, is what, what the Joker was referencing at the end of the Justice League movie. Oh, I don't re- I don't even remember what he was saying. I personally don't like Jared Leto as, as the Joker. I don't either. But I, I did like at least the fact that Snyder changed his looks so that he didn't have all the wacky tattoos that were over his head, like in Suicide yeah, Squad. So, right. so he he looked much better. Um, I almost think the way that he had the, the lipstick smeared on his face, it seemed like it was a little bit of an homage to the Heath Ledger Joker, is what that felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he also had a couple small cuts on his face. I don't know. I just, I didn't know what this whole thing meant or signified. I didn't know the backstory around it. He does look better, but I still don't really like him as Joker. I am wondering what he's doing there. I think you have to go back and watch it like over and over to glean any like real information from that. I don't think any of it is explained, right? I mean, I think it's supposed to be. But again, was this was this like a Bruce Wayne dream, or is this sort of like an alternate reality? That's the thing that's kind of weird to me because in the Justice League theatrical cut, I remember that there was a scene where Bruce Wayne is in the Batcave, and all of a sudden he has this vision of something you know, that's that's happening in front of him. Only it's not a he's not asleep. It's a real thing, and it's it is Barry Allen, so it's the Flash coming from the future, and he, he's trying to tell him Lois Lane is the key. In this movie, he explains that that happened to him, but you don't see it happen. And th- the whole future state progression, which still doesn't make a lot of sense to me, is apparently Lois Lane dies or, or Batman fails to save Lois Lane, and because of that, Superman goes insane, and then he ends up working on behalf of Darkseid, which I don't see happening in any possible situation, so... That whole thing feels like a little bit of a, a goofy tack on. I mean, I don't mind seeing Batman in some future wasteland or whatever, but I didn't think any of it was necessary, honestly. I think it only works if they're actually, that's like going to be like maybe the, the end result of the next movie. Yeah. But now it just, it's just sort of, it sort of seems like self-indulgent maybe. Yeah. Again, I, I'm not super into this stuff, so I, I... That to me is what's weird about this. Just there are a few moments where, so Martian Manhunter falls into that, the final, you know, the, the vision of the future. Uh, you're making this for this HBO Max, you know, re-envisioning of your, of your original film, but I don't think you actually need to put in a bunch of stuff that is referencing potential future versions that you know will never happen because <laughs> that, that just seems like an yeah. odd choice. I, that's, I don't know. It seems like either... It's probably like a waste of money and it also, you know, it's included in the narrative for something that is never going to pay off. So it just seems like a, it seems like an odd choice. Unless he was like, well, this is literally, this was my vision thinking about the sequels and he wanted to continue on with that. Maybe he had even shot some of this stuff and he wanted to put it in. I, I understand the, the desire to do that. You know, I did read that this is not canon. The original Justice League movie, that's considered canon and none of the other directors consider this to be canon so it's just a one-off yeah you know if you wanted to give fans an insight into what he had planned for the sequels like i understand why he did it i i kind of would like to see you know this alternate reality or this alternate timeline you know in the future and and see what is it that made batman turn into a villain or i'm sorry a superman turn into a villain and put batman and and the joker together as on the same side Uh, it could be interesting i mean i'll admit to being curious as to what purpose the joker is supposed to be serving in this alternate future so that 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 did create a a question for me but knowing that that question will never be answered it just becomes a bit of an annoyance i guess yeah well it's also like he doesn't have any superpowers right his superpower is like mayhem He's insane. Is that really what you want on on your team? I don't know. I don't even know what the objective of your team is, but I assume it's some sort of like freedom fighters. And is he really going to be a, an asset? I don't know. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, <laughs> probably a little bit of a wild card. No pun intended. As the Joker. <laughs> yeah, I do have his him up on my screen right now, and he's got on his vest. He's got a bunch of sheriff's badges. You know, yeah. so is he off killing cops or like I don't know. This, no, no, no. It, it is a bit intriguing. Yeah, it's intriguing, but it's, it's also kind of a bummer because we'll never see where it goes. Yeah, well, you never know. You never know, maybe. I actually think that some of the Batman vehicle stuff I thought was, was kind of fun. I thought the, was it the Nightcrawler or whatever it is that they had when they were attacking underneath the Gotham Harbor was, that one was eh, okay. No, but I, no. I did like the Batmobile in this. And I, li- I like the scene where the plane goes down and the parademons open the doors and he, he turns on the lights and then guns them down. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> 
Oh, right, right, right. I did like some of the, the Batman vehicle stuff when he was zipping around. Yeah, I especially liked his um, the one made by Mercedes. <laughs> I love the, the blatant product placement. There were several Mercedes in this movie. But the one that he was driving, it's very futuristic, almost like a concept car. It's when the, the Flash gets in and, and he says, like, well, well, what's your superpower? That was a nice looking car, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, does, he does have a lot of nice toys, I will say. Did not like Batcrawler or whatever. That was kind of ridiculous. Well, that was a little bit goofy. And also you're kind of thinking, okay, if you're moving at the speed of taking these big, big steps, it's like, how, how long did it take you to get it there? And how do you get it home? I mean, how <laughs> do you get it home? Yeah. You know, it's like, we're in pursuit of Batman. He's moving four miles an hour. I think we're going to catch him. That middle sequence, I think, is the maybe the worst action sequence in the movie. I do like when Aquaman shows up. That, I thought that is kind of cool and kind of cool looking where he's holding back the water. By the way, Aquaman's power is a little bit confusing as to what he what he can and can't do. There's like random energy that's like erupting out of the t- the trident once in a while and all that. Yeah. It's a little bit unclear. Probably at the point where we can just drop some closing thoughts. Yeah. Colin, are you glad you spent the four hours watching this movie? Yes, I'm glad I, I invested the time. Yeah, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. I would not ever have watched it if it hadn't been released on HBO Max. So kudos to them. I think it was, I think it was a smart move to do it this way. I don't know if they're going to recoup their $70 million investment. I think you've been following this, so maybe you have more insight into that. I think it's a smart move, and I think I, I actually hope that maybe they'll invest you know, more time and money into some future movies where they sort of take that same concept to deliver something that's really the director's you know, unique vision, even if it ends up being four hours. You know, I'm okay with that. I don't like studio notes. By the way, we, we got this far into it, and so without talking about the aspect ratio. So I, I, I was going to ask oh you about Oh my God, that. yeah. And that was like the first thing I noticed. I was like, yeah. wait, because they tell you right, right at the beginning. They're like, and I'm like going, wait, why? Why <laughs> right. did he, why? Why did he want to, why, why? Is this a joke? Yeah, I don't know. Have you read anything on that? Like why he thought four by three is the best aspect ratio for this? I've just read a couple quick articles that have summarized him saying that it was it's the vision that he wanted to create i think also apparently shows well or it's actually perfectly designed for imax screens oh. you know most of the time you you cut off the top of the frame but it was interesting because i initially i was like ugh, I, you know i don't like this and then i kind of forgot about it about two or three minutes into it right i'm like okay this is it's fine i was also watching it in the dark with the lights off and all that so probably made it a little bit better so i, I wasn't annoyed seeing my tv with the black bars on either side i guess yeah, I, I will say that I, I did forget about it, so it wasn't a detriment. No. Um, I also, what I noticed was I was watching some of it on the iPad. It it was almost perfectly fit to the iPad screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I started thinking, well, is is that why? Is it, is it optimized for mobile mobile consumption? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. As a filmmaker, I sort of doubt that he would be doing that. As a studio uh, a studio head, I could see it, but ultimately, it was not a, a big deal. Yeah. My closing thoughts. So I'm actually, I am glad that I watched this movie. I was entertained all the way through. To me, the most interesting thing was actually seeing what the end product was going to be, knowing that I had seen the theatrical version of Justice League. So I was super curious about what the transformed version was going to look like. You know, I'm a little bit less bought into the fact that it's this glorious vision that's being realized. So for me, a lot of the interest was the curiosity of how do you take what was the starting point and, and what do you end up with and, and is it good or not? As far as the movie itself, I actually think it's, I think it's a pretty good movie. You know, it certainly is miles better than Batman v Superman, the theatrical version of Justice League. You know, is it better than Man of Steel? Nah, I don't know. I mean, it's, probably, it's pro- probably right around that level, I would say. When you, if you just want to appreciate it as an interesting, I don't know, almost like an interesting piece of art. So that, you know, the moments of kind of the, the, the slow-mo and the music and sort of the the more operatic moments of the characters standing together and all that. It's just kind of fun, and it's it's interesting to see. You know, the overall movie still has some problems. I, you know, Steppenwolf as a villain, I think, is just sort of okay. Again, I think the middle section, particularly of this version, it makes Batman look like a dude running around in a suit. So <laughs> I think that stands out a little bit more than, than yeah. maybe in past, past versions of Batman. I think that the mother box and the anti-life equation... And all that mythology is still a lot of gobbledygook. It, it kind of works fine within the comic universe, but it's all sort of kind of meaningless, throwaway MacGuffin type stuff. So, so I think 
the quest that Steppenwolf is on and the villain Steppenwolf himself, I think, are, are one of the worst parts of this movie. So um, all that being said, I had a good time watching it, right? I mean, it was fun. The idea that knowing that it, you didn't have to watch it all in one sitting and you could take it in chunks over the course of four days for me, you know, that worked out well. Again, hats off to Zack Snyder because I, after seeing Justice League, I was utterly convinced that there was no way that you could turn it into anything that would resemble a fun or interesting movie. And I was proven wrong. So I at least found this or interesting enough to watch uh, one time. Now, will, will I go back and rewatch this movie? Probably not. Like, I, I don't know that I see myself settling in for another four hours at some point. I'm going to go watch it right now. You're going you're gonna to take on another four hours right now? Yeah. So I think it was, I think it was a one-time curiosity, fun to watch. Glad I watched it. Kind of like the original theatrical version, I don't know that this is going to have a lot of staying power long-term. So I think it's kind of fun to check it out while it's a cultural moment. The what was to what it became, I think, is, very, is a fascinating journey. I think it's cool to see. As, as an overall movie, I would probably give it a solid B or maybe like a, maybe I'd go B plus. I don't know. If you're going to give it a letter grade, what would you do? Yeah, I was thinking B plus. It's fun. It's, it's nowhere near being one of the best superhero movies ever made. Like, I don't, I don't, it's, it's not gonna, no. it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't threaten to go into that territory at all, but it's still, it's worth watching and it's worth, it's worth your time. I definitely would say check it out. Yeah. I, to me, the, the thing that just stands out the most vast superiority of this version when compared to the original theatrical yeah. version, if you're into film, just to be able to see what a director can do with his unique vision without interference from either the studio or other filmmakers or, or whatever just having having control over his vision and realizing it versus what can happen and what, what often does happen on a lot of other films and you can really see like wow that's amazing if you have seen the theatrical version and you hated it like everyone else <laughs> and you haven't seen the Snyder Cut, go out and watch the Snyder Cut. Yeah, give it a shot. It is vastly superior to the theatrical version. And, but again, the theatrical version was, uh, I don't know, it wasn't, I was going to say dog vomit, but that's maybe that's not that quite. <laughs> it's probably a little do you, hard. Do you, do you know what the budget of the theatrical version was? I think it was, wasn't it like $200 million? $300 million. Oh, $300 million. Okay. Yeah. So well, I guess. when you, in retrospect, when you put another 70 to making the Snyder Cut, maybe it's money well spent. Uh, I don't know. I guess only the people at Warner Brothers and HBO will know. But, you know, it did bring in $658 million at the box office. You know, I think they were expecting in the billions. I have said everything I care to say about the Snyder Cut. Would you, anything else you want to add? I think I might be looking forward to Zack Snyder's next movie. I don't know what it is, but yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, his, his uh, Dawn of the Dead, his version of Dawn of the Dead is actually a pretty good movie. Have you seen that? No. Oh, you haven't seen that? Uh, what year? 2002, maybe, something like that? 2004. 2004. Oh, so that's the two. Oh, I did not. So I did not know that he directed that. I knew yeah, that, that there was a uh, a remake, right? We talked about it on a, a, another pod, but yeah. uh, I didn't know it was Zack Snyder. Oh, that's really interesting. So that's actually before 300. That was two years before 300. I think that yeah. was his first his first actual feature film because and he did a lot of video directing before that yeah oh interesting okay well uh is there are there a lot of slow-mos a lot of speed ramps in that uh maybe <laughs> we should handle that on our friday night frights uh sub podcast yeah i i would i'd be up for that sure okay let's do that maybe that'll be our next horror pick okay cool all right well once again i have said everything i wish to say about the snyder cut <laughs> okay same here all right. Well, then I think we can close this out. So I uh, hope you enjoyed our mm, somewhat informed, mostly uninformed comic <laughs> somewhat, book universe conversation informed, yeah. about about the Snyder Cut. Hope you enjoyed so, our half-assed discussion about the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, you know, we're, we're giving you kind of the uh, little bit of a layman's view, I guess. I, I can't say that this is, you know, this is the ultimate superhero movie vision realized. But at the same time, it's actually a pretty interesting and in many ways impressive piece of work if only for the length. <laughs> so um, that's kind of a downer. Now it's okay. We had a good time with it. All right. It was good. Go out and see it. There you go. And with that, this is the Real DMC Podcast signing off. We need a good Batman line here. Listen. I'm Batman. There you go. I'd have enough trouble. You know, that's the worst thing when you're in the theater and you're really enjoying the movie, but you got to pee. And you're like, I don't want to get up because I'm really enjoying this. 
but then all you can think about is how much you have to pee and then that takes away from the experience of enjoying the movie it's a nightmare <laughs> oh to be a oh to be a 12 year old boy again 